This song is Mahler's most deeply personal expression of his own alienation from a world that never completely accepted him. It is my very self, he once remarked. By all accounts, it is the centerpiece of the Rickett leader, if not, along with Kintototenlieder, of his entire middle period. Through its moody reflections and somber melancholy, Ich bin der Welt perfectly conjoins words to music in a profound and moving expression of having been abandoned by the world. Philosophers, sociologists, and psychologists have characterized such a feeling of alienation as the fundamental characteristic of the modern human condition. As with the other Rickard leader, the emotions conveyed by the text are kept under control in the music. Mahler eschews strong outpourings of angst in these songs, attempting with remarkable success to evoke emotions with contemplative rather than histrionic expression. In the Herbst movement of Das Lied von der Erde to come, he returns to the subject of alienation and expresses the feeling of loneliness that results. In doing so, he uses musical material from this song and the other Rickard leader, similarly restraining the emotional level without diminishing the sense of despair engendered by the text. In Ich bin der Welt, the text, not the music, explicitly manifests an antagonism to the external world from which the singer has been excluded for so long that he says it must think him dead. Rather than depleting the energy needed to overcome this feeling of having been abandoned, the antagonism it causes seems to generate an inner impulse that strives for relief from the pain of ostracism this feeling has wrought. Mahler and Rickert find relief from loneliness neither in the outside world that operates as the antagonist nor in any otherworldly realm that can only be reached in death, but in the inner world of human emotions and the joy of creation. My heaven, my love, and my song. Finding meaning in a life of suffering through artistic creativity is a principle that Mahler shared with the philosopher Nietzsche. In fact, Nietzsche suggested that life is only justifiable as an aesthetic phenomenon. For Mahler, seeking an earthly redemption in love and art is the quintessence of his musical mission. Many commentators have referred to the similarities between Ich bin der Welt and the Adagietto from the Fifth Symphony, with particular reference to the prominence of the motive of longing and the use of harp arpeggios to embellish the melodic line. If the Adagietto is actually a personal expression of Mahler's love for Alma, as Mengelberg claims, only Mahler's insecurities about his being suitable for his young sweetheart could have caused him to refer to Ich bin der Welt in the course of composing the Adagietto. His love message may very well have been that only Alma could relieve the pangs of loneliness from which he suffered. Mahler conjures up a dream world in which he can be free from the painful feeling of societal exclusion, and yet also from the worldly tumult he so despised. In long, meandering vocal lines and sparse, delicate orchestral textures, Mahler captures the bemused thoughts of the text with music, as Lagrange so beautifully put it, that resembles the calm surface of a lake reflecting the sky or the repose of a Zen garden. Pentatonic scales and impressionistic sonorities anticipate Das Lied von der Erde. An emphasis on arching phrases in the vocal line enhances the sense of fluid motion that disengages us from the regularity of temporal movement. 
From the outset, we are transported to a world withdrawn from the hurly-burly confusion of earthly life, and yet generated as a reaction to it. An English horn opens the song with a plaintive pentatonic melody, played reluctantly at first to express a sense of insecurity in giving voice to emotions long internalized in silence. This arching melody takes shape hesitantly, beginning on a rising second, confined to the middle of a measure, which tries to ascend with each restatement, gently groping its way via the motive of longing. Reticence and insecurity hamper the singer's ability to give voice to her deeply felt emotions. Tempo directions advise to hold back, to become somewhat hesitant, and not to rush. These appear throughout the song, reinforcing this reluctance and equivocation, as do commas, smaller places within the melodic line. As the English horn phrase expands, it reaches a full statement of the longing motive. At its high point, beginning on the rising third note of of an upbeat, the English horn repeats the rising third for emphasis, thus relating it to the use of a similar interval for the austere call of the oboe in the Nietzsche movement of the Third Symphony. Then the melody falls toward a cadence on a pentatonic scale, but fails to achieve closure. It ends on a seventh chord, out of which the English horn plaint begins once again, this time played softly by violins. As the theme proceeds, it converges with the entrance of the singer on a quiet and restful statement of the bewitching English horn melody from the introduction, floating gently in stepwise motion. The prominence of stepwise motion is also a characteristic of Umitanach, despite the dissimilarity in atmosphere and subject matter between the two songs. As the vocal line continues to wander off, expanding upon the principal theme, it creates a repeated variant of the longing motive. On the words, Sie hat so lange nichts von mir vernommen, that relates to the main theme of the Adagetto movement, possibly implying that love itself has abandoned the singer. When this motivic variant ends without resolution, the oboe enters on a rocking phrase based upon the motive Der Tagesschern from the fourth song of Kinder This reference may imply a nostalgic longing for the innocence of childhood, now apparently lost forever, in a world that has grown cold and unfeeling. Thank you. 
The middle, or B section, opens with the English horn's melancholy tune from the introduction. A French horn enters a measure after the English horn on a variant of the same tune. In the very next measure, the singer returns with a new melody that reworks elements of the principal theme, its meandering line sung as if in a trance-like state. A horn expands upon the singer's reference to the cadential phrase with which the oboe closed the first section. Harp arpeggios urge the tempo forward. On arching phrases, overlapping in canonic imitation with violins, the singer becomes more assertive, giving voice to her disdain for a world from which she feels excluded. A repeated falling phrase in the oboe, first in the major and then in the minor, implies not only the motives of farewell and woe, respectively, but the harmonic motive of fate. After a variant of the arching phrase that began this section, the tonality switches to a brighter D major. The B section concludes as the singer bemoans her fate to the motive of longing, to which a turn figure is added. Violins play a brisk variant of the Der Tageschern phrase that ended the first section. Without reaching a complete cadence, the end of the middle section, on repeated Der Tageschern figures in violins, is telescoped into the reprise of the opening English horn lament, which reintroduces the singer for the last verse. The original tempo returns with the singer's re-entrance. From here on, the longing motive becomes a primary element of the revised main theme. 
a falling pentatonic phrase sung to the words und ruh in einem stille Gebiet is equally important. Clarinets in thirds rhapsodize on a variant of the Der Tagesschirn motive, as if lost in the comforting dream of eternal peace implicit in the text. Before this haunting phrase concludes, the singer reveals how she can achieve peace in this life through her art. Mahler directs that these last two lines be sung without raising the voice and tenderly. The words Ich lieb allein are sung to a phrase that begins on a rising fourth, Mahler's favorite interval for beginning a lyrical theme, and ends with a falling minor second, the motive of woe. Then the longing motive is sung twice in rising sequence to the words in meinem Himmel, in meinem Lieben, recalling the last part of the adagetto. The oboe carries the rising notes of longing even higher, leaving the singer momentarily silent. Gently, she repeats these last words for emphasis on a falling phrase to which she had sung the words Ich liebe allein. Love is the antidote to loneliness. Yet this is not necessarily a love shared with another, but a feeling that wells up from the deepest recesses of the heart and seeks an object for its affections. By using the same falling phrase for In meinem Lied, although a fifth lower, and forming a cadence out of it, Mahler tells us that it is not only in love but in song, or art, that we can find redemption from the sufferings of this world. In one of his youth songs, Erinnerung, Mahler sets words that also connect love and song, each eliciting the other. Es weckt die Lied, die Liebe, die Liebe weckt die Lieder. Song will waken love, and love wakens the songs. Thus, in his youth and in midlife, Mahler is consistent in his belief that love and art are intimately tied together.
A closing coda begins by overlapping the last note of the vocal line with yet another variation of the opening English horn theme that is closer to the vocal line with which the middle section began. Here it sounds like a distant memory. Violins take up and expand upon the falling phrase with which the vocal line concluded. Each variation repeated more slowly and softly than the previous one, transporting us to a dream world in which the lonely soul finds peace at last. Instead of rising sequentially by a third for the final double augmented repetition of this falling phrase, the violins leap up by a super octave, a fourth higher than the first note of the preceding figure, to a high G, creating a suspended sixth that is one of the most thrilling interpolations of a lyrical phrase Mahler ever wrote. Violins and violas complete the falling phrase, playing it twice as slowly as before, while cellos accompany them with the original version. On their last chord, which omits the fifth of an F major triad, the English horn re-enters with a D natural, thus creating another sixth chord, also implying D minor, that is suspended as if entranced by the beautiful vision invoked by the poem's last lines. This unstable chord resolves one step downward to the tonic, thus the motive of farewell, and then it slowly dies away. A familiar, if more involved, procedure closes the adagetto. With this curative daydream of eternal peace, the singer finds redemption from the suffering endured in her loneliness. <laughs> 